you're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington. Joining me again, Kevin Durso. How are you? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right. It's It's been a, a fun couple of weeks. You know, kind of at the height of summer. I saw Simple Plan the other day. You know, it's it's been fun. But <laughs> um, Classic summer material. You know, just yeah. looking for something to do to buy your time until, you know. Absolutely. I think we did best concerts of all time. Or we've done best concerts before, so we're not going to get into that. Today, no, no, no. I know. know. But you know what I mean. It's just you're looking for whatever you can to fill the gap. I, I Right. You know, I can openly admit that the writing the amount of writing I've done lately is minuscule at best because there's just nothing to talk about at the moment or not a lot to. So probably post probably post Labor Day, we'll get into it. We're getting closer to that. So we're getting yeah. the the good news is, is we're starting to turn the corner on the offseason. We have we have some news starting. We have a couple of contracts starting to come through some extensions from around the league that we'll get into later in the show. Uh, we are going to kick off with some Flyers news here, but before we do that, uh, hit us on the socials, subscribe on YouTube, etc., etc. Okay, um, just getting right into it. Uh, the first thing we have today is the Ivan Fedotov situation. Uh, Ivan Fedotov is a goalie prospect, if you're not aware, uh, that mm-hmm. has come through the Flyers, is, well, has begun the process of coming through the Flyers. System. Right, was drafted um, by the Flyers, we can start there. Right, uh, last summer he signed a contract intending to come to North America, uh, allegations about attempting to avoid draft service we don't know about that either way he was uh i believe he was apprehended at the airport was he not uh, no it was, he was coming out of a i thought he was coming out of like a practice rink or something like he was working out in general and he came out like maybe that was that okay it was like it, but either way it like either way he was uh pulled became, into that contractual military right. service uh spent a year in the middle of nowhere uh has returned to hockey and we come to an interesting situation with his contract because yes. he did sign that contract with the Flyers, mm-hmm. but he also now has a contract with CSKA Moscow in. Sure. So let's kind of like let's kind of clear the table and get like everything lined up ducks in a row kind of stuff before we get yeah. into like where everything currently stands, because when we left the last show, we kind of attached this as a footnote at the end that there was a pending decision with the IIHF that was supposedly at the time coming mon- Monday of the week of our previous right. show. And it sure enough did, you know, it came, that came, right. that came out. The contract with the flyers is valid. Basically the bottom line is he had signed the contract with the flyers last summer, like you said, and because he was never able to fulfill it when the time came this off season for the flyers to issue qualifying offers, they also told the contract, which basically means they just pushed it down the line to this upcoming season. Right. So, by all accounts in the NHL, Ivan Fedotov has an NHL contract. Right. And it's it's at, in the NHL office. It's there. And at the same time, or around the same time, Fedotov also signed a two-year deal in the KHL with Cheska Moscow and was going to presumably play there. That was what everybody kind of had it. Like, if you read anything about it going up to that point, it was all lined up that basically – you know, while he has this contract with the Flyers, it was like it was all overridden in, in the eyes of everybody else. And it was he's going to go through with this and play in Russia. That's the way it's just the way it's going to be. Right. And ultimately, it led to this decision making process where the IIHF was involved and was going to have to determine which contract was valid. It's almost it's a little bit like an arbitration situation to an extent where you're basically determining which team gets it get really gets his rights. As right. this upcoming season hits, and but instead of a rule- private law- lawyer, it's the IIHF. <laughs> sure, and and according and 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 let's not forget also, in addition to 
determining which contract is valid, which, like I said, they, the, they determined the Flyers contract was the valid contract. There were also sanctions issued against Cheska Moscow, against Fedotov himself even, that now kind of prevent a bunch of different things. It, there was, first of all, um, it was that Fedotov could not play for Cheska Moscow or in the KHL. It couldn't play any national or international games in Russia. So in, in other words, not Russian KHL games or international competition with Russia until after right. January 1st of 2024. That was the first portion. And overall, one of the other parts of this was that Cheska Moscow also had a suspension placed on international transfers. That's a, I think it was a year-long suspension for that. So there's a lot of like details in place for that and things like that. But obviously, just because this ruling was right. issued did not mean we had any answers whatsoever. It was, you know, we were waiting to find out whether or not he was actually going to go. We were waiting to find out, you know, like, because obviously the next hurdle to get through at this point is, is he actually coming to North America? Is his intention actually to play for the Flyers? What is going to happen from here? Where is this going to go? And it's kind of trying to figure that whole thing out at this point. And it's just continues the complication because at the end of the day, despite the fact that, yes, you got an answer of which contract is valid, you don't have any firm answers on anything future-wise at this point. You have questions and, about where he's going to play. And that brings us to kind of the reason why. And the reason why, in the grand scheme of things, is Russia. Is because Russia. Because for, for the last... I, several hundred years, frankly, uh, the Russian Russia does what Russia wants is kind of the end of it here, and it they decided that he wasn't going to go show up at Flyers training camp and maybe be their backup last year, or, or you know play for the Phantoms or whatever the case may be. <laughs> they decided he was going to go be in the military and. Then he comes back and they decided that he's still not going to come over. He's going to be in Russia. And I don't know how much of this is the player and I don't know how much of this is pressure from above him in the Russian hockey hierarchy going, frankly, all the way up. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's it's hard to give the player too much of a hard time because we don't know what they're going through. And we've heard a variety of things. Um. But as it sits, we did have the IIA, like you said, we have the IIHF ruling that the Flyers contract is valid. And if the player remains in Russia and the contract in the NHL is valid, what does that mean? Like, is, is he playing in the KHL? Is his KHL contract also valid? Is this a loan? What, right. how, how are we parsing this? That's it's super complicated. And you've got to factor in the fact that the whole suspension, pro, like suspension, but you know what I mean. He, the fact that he's not right. technically allowed to play for a Russian team or in the KHL or any of that, as of literally the end of this upcoming week, September first, he's not allowed to play a KHL game based on the way that the ruling was issued. That being said, it's it's tricky because he's either going to just take four months off and not play anywhere, you know, or he's going to come over. And 
we're getting right. close enough to tra- we're, we're also getting close enough to flyers training camp at this point where look you got to be prepared for the fact that he may not be on the training camp roster straight up like you got to be prepared for that fact and prepared for yeah, the idea that this is not part of realistically this is not part of your team's future anymore like it, it's kind of getting to that point already i mean we already kind of talked there... about this a little bit i have a i have a question for you is there a world so okay so these are these stipulations uh russia specific or are they khl specific what do you mean by that because I can see a world where they well, – so what I'm thinking is Moscow loans him to a non-Russian team somewhere in their, the KHL system, the MHL, the VHL, one of those leagues. And he goes and plays in Belarus for the next four months. I don't know. Um, that's an interesting one. I, I don't feel know like that's that. – I feel like that's the kind of thing they would do to get a- – it feels that feels like the sort of thing that's in the playbook. Oh, I'm sure and, there's a whole. I mean, there's a whole book of tactics, like you said. So that'll just about do it on Fedotov. Um, was, at this point, we kind of just have to wait and see. And mm-hmm. <sighs> honestly, we just we see if he shows up to camp. At this point, that that'll kind of that'll kind of answer that question. I mean, you you might even have answers slightly before that, just because if he continue if something happened i mean he's not supposed to be able to continue playing in the khl beyond september 1st but if something changes like like we were kind of talking about before we started recording the show and stuff like that he played sunday afternoon or sunday mo- you know i guess sunday morning maybe if you're talking u.s time here but like he played in a, sunday in a preseason game in, right? in a preseason game in the khl absolutely so like right. kind of answers some of your questions already right there you know what i mean like if he's still playing preseason games right. and it's the week before everything happens and there's you know, it kind of tells you everything you need to know already. So yep. just kind of leave it at and, that where, where we stand. Right. And if he shows up to camp, great. Um, but someone who we don't do know will show up at camp, presumably, is Oliver Bunk because he signed his entry level deal. Yep. And it's good to see out of the kid. You know, it's um, <laughs> standard entry level deal. You know, I, I don't <laughs> think. I don't think we're looking at a roster player here. He's probably going to go back to, you know, is he playing oh, yeah. juniors? Yes. Yeah, he's probably going back to juniors. Like He will be on know, the London but... Knights this year. Absolutely a thousand sure. percent. He will be on the London Knights this year. Probably next but year too, honestly. Him... Yeah, and I, I expect him to hang out through the preseason. You know, if if you're going to be a bad team and rebuild and blah, 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 blah. I could see them thinking about giving him five or six games or four or five games and then sending him down before the contract slides. Um, I don't know about that many. Um, just because okay. with kids that young with kids that young out of out of a draft year, yeah, it's probably a little much. Um two like two two is probably a good number. He might play in two. He's kind of really become something that's really interesting about him is well, because I think you keep him up for the first four or five, and then put him in for maybe two in there. But um, it'll depend on. It'll also depend on when junior camps really get going and things like that, because they'll line it up that that's he's true. a regular part of that. That's that's, that's the way they'll do that. Um, he really has become, though, in a sense, um, given the given the fact that the next two highest prospects, and and I'm not saying that he, that makes him the third prospect. I'm not saying that, but if we're going off of recency. Your first round pick from 22 and your other first round pick from 23 
are not going to be part of the roster or even signed until a future date. Right. So he has kind of, in effect, become the headliner of the last handful of first rounders. Like it's kind of like he's after Tyson Forster in terms of first rounders. Because Cutter Gauthier is going to play at BC, and because Matvey Mishkov is under contract in the KHL, that's like, it's kind of created that dynamic where, like, like I don't know if you saw this or not, but the Flyers continued their little YouTube series kind of thing, and they've been doing a lot of behind the scenes stuff, and there was a big focus on the fact right. that Oliver Bonk was like one of the key prospects that was at development camp. Yeah. And and this is a guy that again, if you're we're talking about the Danny Briere Danny Briere era being here, and I know he got in right before the draft, and you know wasn't fully you know, but he had enough time where he probably had enough ideas that Oliver Bronk might very well be a Danny Briere pick, and we're t- talking about down the road, a couple years in the future, coming out of a rebuild. You're not going to pick somebody unless you could see them being a part of them. Sure, of course not. I mean, and I think there's also elements of the kind of player he is, you know, because he, he's got this almost kind of all-around defensive ability. Like, he's he's supposed to be mobile. He can jump up offensively. Kind of, I think the most important quality is that he's a right-handed shot, so he's a right-handed defenseman. I think that that there's clearly an emphasis on that as well. Now, is he a cornerstone defenseman? No, probably not. I mean, it would take some serious increases in his development to be that. Right. But he's definitely more in line with like one of these players who probably slots into your middle pairing or something of that sort. I mean, and who knows, like it's so early because he's only 18 and because he's just been drafted. You can't put like labels on him just yet. You can guess, but you don't, and even, you can, you don't even know if he's going to stay six, two, like he's six, two. He's already big for his age, but he sure. I listen, I'm above six and a half foot tall and I grew until I was about 22. So it is not out of the realm of possibility that he gets to six, three, six, four. I'm not saying he's going to get that big, but mm-hmm. He might pack on another inch or two, and he's listed at one seventy six. He, he fills you out. You know, a bit. Well, yeah, you know that the filling out process is something that they all look Absolutely. into. Absolutely, Absolutely, this guy is gonna be enormous, and that, like, given where the NHL is going, it's perfect. Yeah. So you get, and it's just about waiting out the process, like, and and not to mention the fact that, like, between him and. The, the Flyers also drafted his teammate, Denver Barkey, out of who's yep. going to play for London also. So that could be a really good junior team this year. Man, picking this year, picking London Knights it has worked out well for pretty much every team that's ever done it. They <laughs> just pump out NHL talent. Yeah, no kidding. Right? Like, and I'm not saying Denver Barkey's Mitch Marner, but like. No, but you're talking about a group. Like, it, it's, and it's no different. I mean, like, we're doing the same thing. They're a powerhouse. Thing. Well, and, and that's like it's a junior version of kind of what we it's some, sometimes the way we talk about Boston College in that sense, because Boston College just pumps them out too, like yep. nobody's business that like how many. And, and that that's kind of one of the interesting things, because it's one of the things I'm going to probably write about as we get a little like post Labor Day into the start of the season kind of stuff. 
is how much focus is going to be away from the Flyers a little bit too, because yep. we're going to pay a lot of attention to Cutter Gauthier, and we're going to pay a lot of attention to what Matt Mishkov is doing in Russia, and we're going to pay a lot of attention to Oliver Bonk and other players who are in this draft class. Absolutely. And, we're going to pay and, attention to the Phantoms more than yeah, most people probably do. You're right. I mean, the, the only way we're not paying that much attention to the Phantoms is if more they players than we no is is if more players than we think are actually getting NHL playing time. Like, right. like, like, I have I have to believe that there is a significant chance, and like by significant I mean I would say eighty percent or better already without even having seen him in training camp. That there's an eighty percent chance or better that Tyson Forrester is on the NHL roster. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, but 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 I'm not gonna be overly convinced about maybe some other guys who are down there who maybe got a taste. I'm not right. gonna be overly convinced about Ole Lixel. I'm not gonna be overly convinced about Ronnie Adderd. I'm not gonna be overly convinced about Elliot Desnoyers. Like, there's other players who may get a chance to play up at that level. That they're gonna be in competition. Right. So, like, there's a there, like there's a distinct possibility that one of the final defenseman spots comes down to. Ronnie Adderd and Emil Andre who yep. wins who gets it and whoever who doesn't probably goes to the minors and plays top pair yep. that's how it's gonna work and then and then you are paying attention to the minor leagues but what if it's not you know what if it's not so that's what we got to wait for but that and that's what's gonna make training camp fun training camp's gonna oh, be yeah. fun because it's There's definitely be all about battles, battles. yep yeah, it's oh, gonna be yeah. all about battles and then once the battles are over once you see where everybody lands outside of the obvious players like Gautier going to BC for another year and Mishkov playing in Russia it, and look, sure. The younger players who just got drafted, like Oliver Bonk going back to the OHL playing for the London Knights, all that type of stuff. Once you get past that group, whoever ends up on the Phantoms, whoever ends up somewhere else, like the rest of them, the Dakota juniors or whoever makes the flyers out of camp, it's all going to come into play. And then you're going to start to kind of watch accordingly. You're going to try and you're definitely going to try to access it. Right. Like it's going to be, you know, can, I, I can only imagine how like, look, the Russian games are a little bit tougher to get a hold of. But I can only imagine how many Flyers fans are going to be tuning in if BC makes, you know, any and gets any airtime outside oh, yeah. of the outside of the Boston uh, area. You know what I mean? By the way, a little alert for people who may be watching this or maybe, you know, listen to the show. ESPN Plus has a lot of college sports, a lot of college hockey. When it comes time, if you're looking for these games, try your ESPN Plus app. Um, but yeah, it's going to be an exciting couple of years, honestly, because this is just the first year we are heading into the rebuild. And find your sources, set them up now, get comfy with them, because it's going to be a couple of years. And <laughs> if you're in it for the long haul, you know, I can't wait to watch Denver Barkey play for the Phantoms in 24 25. I can't wait. I mean, and we're going to have to wait and see how, you know, how this all shakes out with everybody. But there's a lot of players who, you know, there's just going to be a lot of players. Like, I don't think that they, oh, like, they definitely haven't overstocked their prospect pool yet. That takes years to do. No, and no, of course and, not. But they've got a lot in place now than they, you know, way more now than they did a handful of years ago. I mean, you, you there's a big difference between getting excited about 
maybe a you know maybe a goalie like Sam Harrison coming up to make his debut last year and Ola Lixel and waiting you know waiting it out for a guy like Tyson Forrester to come in and then be like oh okay net like Tyson Forrester gets your attention pretty quickly like, yeah right you know but it's not the same thing with some of the other guys that they've had come up maybe debut for a handful of games and then not, I mean maybe Noah Cates a little bit because Cates kind of took to it pretty quickly and that yeah. that helps like if a guy impresses it helps but. We'll see, you know, like right. we'll see where everything shakes out over the next few years. But maybe um, if we want to continue to build off of what we've already started with, because Bonk factors into this. And it's your, like we said, it's your traditional entry level deal. There's not a lot to break down with it. It was just one. It was the only other piece of Flyers news we got in the last two weeks. So you got to give us right. that, you know. Um, but one of the things I, I wanted to bring up is because this over the course of the last roughly week, I want to say the, the athletic was doing some prospect breakdowns and it was kind yeah. of done as Corey, the... Pr- Corey Pronman does his annual breakdown yep. every year and he, shout out Corey Pronman and also shout out the athletic. It's a great source of sports journalism. So I, I want to clarify because it's at the bottom of the article here that all skaters 22 years old or younger as of September 15th, 2023, are eligible to make the, the list. So you're ruling out anybody who's 23 years or, old, or older. So right. and that's going to take out a lot of players right off the bat, right? Well, and right at the top of his article, uh, key graduates, he lists Joel Farabee as kind of the most recent guy to turn sure. 23 and age out of what they consider a prospect. And that's fair. And you can also like you can also fill in the blanks of some of the other guys who have recently enough graduated because Morgan Frost yeah. is in that category. Owen Tipp, like those are guys, Owen Tippett and Morgan Frost are both 24. Right. So you're in that range where it's like, yeah, they're they out of this They turned 23 pretty recently. <laughs> well, no, but they're, but they're still young key pieces. Exactly. Like, they're yep. still young enough to be key pieces of the future. It's just they're not going to make this list. So don't be listening out for their names. That's all. Now, it's not really a secret who the top two on the list are because we've already mentioned their names on multiple occasions already on this show. So Mishkov is number one and Gautier is number two. And that's pretty unsurprising, obviously. I mean. Right. I mean, are you – Ask most scouts before the 2023 draft and ask them who the most talented player is, and they'll tell you Connor Bedard, and that's fair. But ask them who the second most talented player is, and a lot of them would tell you it's Matt Vemichkov. Sure, and we'll and and we've seen you know there's clips that float around, and we've seen a few of them and things like that, and it's it is what it is. I mean, it's a lot of preseason games, so you have to take that with a grain of salt. Obviously, it's preseason. I you know we'll have to wait and see what happens when his regular season starts, what kind of role he gets, and things like that. It, it's it's going to drive people crazy to an extent if you try to overanalyze everything for the next two to three years, right? Like a little bit. Like you got to kind of pump the brakes a little bit and just go th- roll with the process here, a little bit. Like. It's way it makes way more sense, especially going off of the entirety of last year. It makes way more sense to be pumping the tires heavily and really over, like I want to say overlooking because overlooking is kind of not the right word there. Um, but maybe reading into a lot of what you see from Cutter Gautier because sure. the, the intention is and it seems like it's already out there kind of the intention is he'll play at BC and when the season's over, here he comes. Right. And after playing in world championships and after now becoming a sophomore member of a Boston college team that has some high expectations and is getting a lot of talent. Now you're going to pay a lot of attention to what happens when, when cutter Gautier has a lot of talent around him is playing for a top notch college program has played recently in world championships, which put him forget about playing up against seniors who are 22, 23 years old. He's played up against 30 year olds at this point. Boston college is going to be out. 
fun team to watch this year. And if you and if you come away from that thinking, wow, look at how great Cutter Gauthier looks at this level, you have reason to read into it a lot because that is oh, something yeah. that is on that is something that is very much on the table for next year. Like he's probably Absolutely. a flyer next year. That's the way that this is shaping up to be. I don't expect him to spend a whole lot of time, if any, in Lehigh Valley. Exactly. Now, if you go now, but if you do the same thing for Mishkov, who you know has years before oh, yeah. he can, he's probably before he's probably coming over. Mishkov is definitely walking straight in. He is, but you can't. But if you've got years to get there, just watch the progression right. instead of trying to overanalyze who he is at eighteen. Right. Because he's let's put it this way. He's going to do things that where he's making a mistake. He's sure. going to make mistakes. He's, he's playing kid. in a professional and exactly not only that he's in, he's a kid playing in a professional hockey league. Right. It's not the same thing as hey, we sent you back to juniors. You should know better than to do that against the 16-year-old who shouldn't be able to take the puck away from you. You know what I mean? Like if he plays against I mean, let's put it this way. I be, if I'm not mistaken, didn't his team just sign Alex Galchenyuk? I think I just saw they just signed because because Galchenyuk obviously was going to have a contract in the NHL and then that didn't you know, went by it yeah yeah but I believe that just happened it, it that he huh. that Alex Galchenyuk just signed there so but that's and it's and and that's not to make it seem like he's you know that's that's a guy who's gonna like seriously help improve you know like oh like improve the roster ton or improve his but play. it's but it's a north it's american a, pro to to pick his brain to figure out what how to how it works yeah, you yeah know? he did so galchenyuk just signed there and okay. but but the point being that's not a player who's between the ages of 18 and 22 or even 25 for that matter that's a player right. who's been around the block a little bit who is now a teammate of his exactly like just is the way it is and and obviously, there are players on that roster who are also not in the same position as Mishkov is, like, like Ivan Demidov, who is a highly touted prospect for next year's draft. Like, you've got guys like that too. So you've got to factor all of these pieces in. But just don't overanalyze Matvey Mishkov so much in year one of his of this time in the KHL and post draft, and like enjoy what he does and understand there's going to be growing pains as well. I do just have to say, uh, if you're a spit and chicklets listener, man, Galchenyuk's going to be a menace on the Russian gas. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Anyway, um, yeah, um, I, I agree that you, you shouldn't be reading too much into Mitchkov at this point in time. He's playing amongst men. He is still a kid. You know, he is five foot ten. You know, he's not enormous. Like we talked about right. Bonk being enormous. Matvey Mitchkov is not. Um and that's and look. That's not to say also that once the regular sure. season starts, don't get excited about a highlight reel play if he makes one. Like, well, of right. course, get excited. But playing amongst men. But just also, you know, just slow down a little Temporary. bit. With it. Like, and and it, the scoring in the KHL is weird anyway because oh, it it's, definitely is. But it's such a league of haves and have-nots that games are either nothing, nothing, or fourteen-two. It, it's <laughs> it's it's really crazy. It's a wild league, and stats coming out of that league, like most information coming out of Russia, is not really to be trusted. Um, <laughs> it's a little bit. I mean, like there's there's also an element like like I remember when a lot of Flyers fans were really heavily invested in the Swedish league because at the time it would be like Oscar Lindblom and Sam Arison and Felix Sandstrom, and they were all playing at the same time, kind of. Yeah. And um, 
And I remember what it was great. I guess it was great to have a bunch of goalies at that time because the scores were always like three to two and two to one and stuff like that. Like if if you had 13 goals in the Swedish league, you were like an elite goal scorer. Yeah, it's wild. Like it was pretty crazy. It's um, amazing how many players come over here and just pop off and you look at their sure. numbers from over there and you're like, man, they didn't do much. It's like, no, no, they yeah. did. That's yeah. so, that's elite scoring. Oh, yeah. So do we want to go through a little bit more of the rest of this list just to kind of sure. some and, stuff? The usual just, names do pop up, you know, established NHL names like Cam York. For the most part, I mean, there's there's some interesting things in here because, like, for example, we just talked about Emil Andre a little bit, and yep. and in Pronman's article, it has that he has a chance to play. I think he's probably a little higher on the list than that, probably. Like, guys, a, first of all, the guys, a smooth skater. Like, right. he's he's really good in that res, in that respect, and. You know, he'll he'll play at some point, like even if he ends up not necessarily winning that roster spot and making the opening night roster. Like, yeah, I mean, first injury on the blue line. Emil Andre your call up more. Probably. I mean, and they look, they know what I think that they know what they have. It's why, you know, think about how quickly kind of things came together with that, like that he was signing an entry level deal and things like that, like. At one point in time, I think it was in, they started with him as an amateur tryout that he was going to when his season was over overseas, he was going to come over on an amateur tryout. And it was like pretty quickly something like changed, like it became no, 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 sign him to the entry level deal ASAP. Because right now, if you if you don't, don't risk anything about him not being part of this franchise moving forward. You're, right. you're going to want him around. So just important to keep in mind there. So like. That's that's all I'm saying. Like, cause that that's an interesting one when you consider some of the other players we're gonna get to. Um, Cam York is third on the list, which I understand. Like, he still uh, first of all, he still qualifies under the age limit, obviously. Yep. And he's and, gonna be a, he's gonna be probably a top four defenseman in the NHL this year. Absolutely, a thousand yep. percent. And he's going to. You're looking for him to take bigger, like a bigger step, obviously, because he's got some. Like, we've seen some flashes of skill, and we've seen. You know his defensive game can be solid, but he's gotta he's gotta do it more consistently. Obviously, I mean, and he didn't get a full. If we're being technical about it, he didn't get a full season last year just because of the fact that he was he was down in the minors for a good chunk of the beginning of the season. I don't think he he didn't really get regular time until December, right. and then from there he was up for good. I think he played like I think he finished with fifty three games in the NHL or something like that. So, yeah. It's you're working towards something, but now, like, I don't think there's like, especially after you traded Ivan Provorov in the offseason, it's kind of no doubt where he's going to stand now in terms of like, you're going to make the team. He's kind of going to slide into that Ivan Provorov spot here, I think, pretty, um, pretty cleanly. A guy we had high expectations for that he's going to turn out to be good, and that's great. <laughs> um, it's a little different for him for, for two reasons to me. Number one is that he did go a little lower in the – like when Provorov goes top 10, you do really have lofty expectations. Valid. Y- York went in that middle of the pack kind of area where you start to think you're getting – you're getting good, not great per se. Like you're happy with – Sometimes, I mean, depending on the draft, obviously, like this, I don't know if you're happy about it this past draft year, if your 14th overall pick isn't playing a little bit like closer to a top 10. Um, But in most drafts, if you pick 14th overall, your answer usually is if he can play second line, second pair, something of that nature. You did pretty well. And yeah, and it seems like that's qualified. where Cam York is at this yeah. point. And he is still young enough that if if he does level up his game and take that next step, it's not insane to see yeah. him as kind of a lower end top pair defenseman, you know, but that's fine, you know. So I'm going to be able to go through the next two on the list really quick because we've already yeah. talked about them a little bit. Oliver Bonk was four. Yep. 
and Tyson Forrester is number five. And like I said, I think now, again, this is really interesting stuff because they, Praman does tier level type things to him. Like we just talked about, like, like he's got like Praman's tier level for what these players are. Mishkov's an elite NHL player or projects to be. Gautier's a top of the lineup player. And that this all makes sense because this is exactly the way we've kind of treated this, right? And then we just, like we just said, York is kind of more middle of the lineup. And we just talked about Bonk being a little bit like that too, you know? Like maybe second pairing is more of the fit, right? Or even, right. you know, I mean, Bonk maybe has an outside chance of being a top pair, second D kind of guy, but. Right. It, it that's remains to be seen development especially as early as he is will go a long way what's interesting is he has tyson forrester who we've already seen play nhl games as a tier level of projected to play nhl games which i, uh, think, I think he is, means projected to play more projected to be a guy well no nor- i read that as projected to be a guy well i and i don't know about that like i think that it's like it, compared what compared to what middle of the lineup like middle of the lineup i think might be fair for forrester that's fair that's project- fair. Like, like almost like it's almost like you're saying projected to play NHL games means you're going to fill in on the fourth line on occasion. You and for the record, you do have to give Pronman a little credit. You can't pay attention to everybody. Like, well, no, I, and, well, it and, might and, just oh, be you know. And I'm not going to criticize it because he very wet like defines very well what the parameters are. Like, I gave you the player eligibility thing where like based on age or whatever. The tier definitions are meant to show where in an average NHL lineup the player projects slide. And that's where I kind of disagree with Forrester. Because I don't think he's just a guy who's going to play a few games. Like right. I think he's he's good enough to be a regular NHLer. The the tool grades, which are more like when he goes in and dives into everything, skating, puck skills, hockey sense, compete level, shot. I understand what like he defines what he means by NHL average, and it's not meant to be a knock; it's meant to be a compliment. So, right. like I get that. I'm not reading into those. I do think the tier level for Forrester is low. I think Forrester can be a middle of the lineup guy. I absolutely agree, but I, that that is also, I think, a ceiling. And you know, we given the Flyers' history in developing prospects, sure, it's hard to say he's going to hit that ceiling. So I don't hate a settling of you know he'll play some games. Sure, um, and I mean, like, and then you go from there. The last handful, which are pretty easy to go through, Ethan Sampson was number six, which is interesting because, like, like I said, I think I think there was a lot made. They're not they're not a lot made, but it's like. Compared to where um, to where Emil Andre is on that list, and like the concept that Andre, I, is, yeah, I certainly like, would have Emil Andre above an Ethan, Ethan Sampson. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And uh, I, I, this is another. So, how many? Let's see, how many draft prospects from this past year's draft class are we going to mention in this show? Because we've already hit a couple of them. Apparently, number seven though on this list is Alex Kiernick, who uh, was one of the mid round picks that the team made. Um, and this is it's really interesting because to take a guy who he has listed seventh projected to play NHL games, which is look, which is a fair assessment without knowing a lot about players in their draft year. But he has every skill listed as at least NHL average in his eyes. So that's an interesting, you know, for a guy who was picked in the middle rounds, you would take NHL average from the middle. That's, round. that's an above average prospect. Right. right from that for, stand from, from that, that draft pick. position. Absolutely. Um. So and then, by the way, the last player on the list, other than the guys who he lists as has a chance to play, number eight, was yeah. the only goalie to make the list, Carver, which would be Carson Bjarnason. Yeah. A name. A name that Jim Jackson oh. is not going to be a fan of. <laughs> I mean, if everybody was able to learn all the other names that have kind of come in, we all got used to... It just feels like an awkward series of syllables. Carson Bjarnason. 
there's a certain point where you don't need to say the first name anymore, though. So if you can just, if you can, you know, if Bjornarsson becomes enough, then. Although, can you imagine how great it's going to sound to hear left-handed larceny from Bjornarsson? Oh God. <laughs> okay. Um, it's too good. I'm sorry. And among among the had a chance to play. By the way, I did also want to shine a quick light on Bobby Brink. Um, yeah. You know, a guy coming back from some pretty major injury issues. We're, we're going to see how his development continues to progress. He was a, an early second round pick in 2019, so it we're getting close to the clock getting starting to run out on him as a prospect as it is. Um, but still, he's got some time. We'll see how he goes. We'll see if he can get a healthy year in. It's going to be really interesting to see his camp because he's good enough to be an NHL player. He's already yeah. shown it a little bit. The injury last year derailed his season. Mm-hmm. He had to play in the minors just to kind of get a feel for the game again after missing so much time. And they're really smartly, I should add, there was no reason to bring him to the NHL when you didn't Zero. need to. Yeah. And so, and I'm glad they didn't force that issue because you had every reason to play everybody else toward the toward the tail end. If you wanted to bring, you know, you want to play Sam Harrison, play Sam Harrison. You want to play. Tyson Forrester, play Tyson Forrester. You want to you wanna do what they did with the defenseman at the end of the year and give, oh, Adder's going to play a little bit. No, wait, we're going to go to Adam Ginning, and then we're going to go to, you know, do it. By all means, do it. If they've been down in the minors all year and you think they're worth a look, by all means, do it. But Brink did not need to be forced into that role at the NHL level nope. in two to three, like basically two and a half months' time. He does not need that. Nope. Yeah, so I think that was totally fair. It's, you know, and, and obviously when we're talking about the prospect pool a little bit, one of the interesting things to kind of keep in mind is, and it's, look, this is something where you kind of have to have a little control and also not get you of not getting too far ahead, but it's also kind of hard because of the fact that you do want to look ahead and think about the possibility that if the team is not very good this year and ends up in a lottery spot and you see the names that are floating around and you're going to hear about them more and more as the year goes on then you start to let your mind wander about, well, what happens if they get one of them too? Yep. You know, especially when you're also holding on to a draft pick of a team that the first round draft pick of a team, I should say, that is going to start the year really hampered by injuries that, that went so far in the playoffs last year that they, they emptied the tank, had players that were barely able to even physically get on the ice practically that still did. And lost a lot of pieces along the way, too, because there's guys who are not back, like who did not come back. And they tried to replace them. But we'll see where that Florida pick goes and what happens right. if it's and what happens if Florida doesn't either makes the playoffs and gets knocked out quick or doesn't and doesn't win the lotto. I was going to say it is top 10 protected. So nothing. Oh, crazy I'm talking about happen. what happens if it's 14. Right. Well, here's the thing, though. I can also see Florida. I'm, I, I'm looking at that potentially as a longer term piece. So what if Florida does just completely fall apart here? Exactly. It's a top 10 pick this year. Okay, that's fine. They keep it and it slides unprotected. Come on. We'll could see. Be, I mean, it could be interesting. I mean, yeah. uh, the, on- the only downside would be if it slides is that they would then be able to go into a full season probably more healthy. And let's put it this way. They still have guys who we know can play really well. Yeah. I mean, if if you're telling me that in – like in not next season, but the season after, if you're able to start from the beginning, fully healthy, Matthew Kachuk is fine. Brandon Montour is fine. And, you know, Carter Verhage is fine. 
everybody's fine. And, and oh, by the way, who cares if your goal? Who cares if Sergey Bobrovsky's your goalie? It might be Spencer Knight again by that point. Yep. Like that's valid. Like I'm, I, you know, you would love it. I think everybody would love it if this pick turns out to be like in that four number eleven. Range. Right. Well, eleven will be ideal. <laughs> like being realistic, you you really would love it if it was fourteen. Like absolutely. In, in addition There's, to the fact that you're probably picking top ten for sure. Yep. You know, maybe even closer. Who knows? Maybe closer to top five. We'll see. But you're probably you're you're getting a lotto, like a sort of a lotto pick. You're getting a chance at the lotto pick. I should say is what I mean. Well, and what you're getting is a first round pick, which can be used in transactions. Sure. That is the other thing is is you're you're gonna be well, you're gonna be acquiring young talent in ways other than just the draft. But you are, but the pipe the pipe dream obviously in the immediate is that you land in the top three somehow to be able to draft one of these forwards, like you know, whether it's Macklin Celebrini or whether it's Cole Iserman or whether it's Ivan Demidov or one of those three guys, and right. then and then, oh, by the way, somewhere in the middle of the round, if you can grab like a, a defenseman like Adam Juracek, who's David's brother, like there's are some you real your, value in that. Yeah, first aren't round. you setting yourself yeah. up a little nice here for like you're, you're building a good prospect pool at that point? If you do this, if you do the same process, superstar level forward and solid defenseman, you know, in the first round. Because this, they they're gonna have like I, when you review down when we get to the actual regular season and we get closer to it, go down the list of guys on this roster who were former first round picks. It's it's in, it's, it's, insane. it's not zero. or 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 at least or at least what it could be when you add in Gautier and Mishkov and Bonk and eventually like more than half the roster is gonna be first round picks. Once right, and even it. beyond that, like Bobby Brink was number thirty four. Yeah, for real. Two away from a first round pick. Um, and the one the one other name I did want to mention on that list, by the way, is Elliot, Elliot Desnoyers, a guy that we've talked about a little bit already, a guy that we've talked about quite a lot on previous episodes of the show here, a guy yeah. that we've liked. You know, we're yeah, talking the destroyer. About, right. We're talking about finding depths in the draft and getting these fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks to make your roster make an impact. Elliot Desnoyers, fourth round pick in 2020, which, by the way, 2020, any draft pick hitting in 2020 is an absolute miracle. Yeah, that kind year, of. That year and 2021 were just absolute insanity. You um, know what I think about right away when you bring him up, honestly? Yeah. And train, and he's obviously, because now he's past the point of junior level. He, he's pro. He's going to either play for the Phantoms or the Flyers. I want to see him. I want to see him play Flyers games this year. Oh, I, I think he definitely will. Yeah. I, what I was going to say is in, in training camp, though, I would love to see them put him like if if they want to do some do him a favor in terms of the style that he needs to play to be successful, put him next to Garnet Hathaway as much as human. Oh possibly. yeah, Seriously. oh yeah. I think there's a part of Danny Briere that that's why you went out and got Garnet Hathaway was to play next to guys like Elliot Desnoyers and to bring them into the NHL. Because, with, a, because, with a bit of a bodyguard, but mostly just a mentor. But, but, right. And tell me that that's not the style that he would need to have. He's, I mean, look, I think he's got I a want, little bit more. He's got a little more goal scoring touch than Hathaway probably does. But in terms of the motor, that's exactly the same type of player. I want, I want Elliot Desnoyers 
to be the biggest jerk in Flyers <laughs> history, and that is saying something. Okay, this so team you, employed Mike Richards. Come on now. Okay, so you also want him to hang around Travis Konechny then? Absolutely! Absolutely! I want Elliot Desnoyers to be Travis Konechny's new Nolan Patrick. Okay. <laughs> I, interesting. I want them to be Riley and Jonesy from Letterkenny. I... <laughs> I like that. I want I want Elliot Desnoyers to live in Travis Konechny's house. Travis Konechny's an established veteran. It's time to have one of the young kids live in the basement. You're on this team. He's got, yeah. what, four, four more years left on his deal? It's time to be a Who, good that? veteran there, Travis. Oh, no, Konechny only has two oh, left. He's, he's only got two left. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, but still, it's time to be a good veteran. He's... Okay, so fine if you if, if fine if if he's twenty seven if 27. He, or he will be twenty seven if you right. then if you want him to live with somebody who's got more than two years left on his contract then just say Scott Lawton okay oh <laughs> man I really thought um yeah exactly I mean listen I want everyone to live with Scott Lawton I want Scott <laughs> Lawton to just open house <laughs> um oh and uh, yeah and if not. If not Lawton, if there's if room is full everywhere else, there's no room at the end. Anywhere room else, no, there's no room in Garnet Hathaway House either. Oh, I guess we'll send him to Nick Delorier. <laughs> I knew you were gonna go there. <laughs> All right, so we're talking about contract values. We're talking about who's gonna be here in two, three, four years. Yeah, speaking the, of four years. I teased earlier in the show that there have been some uh, contract extensions around the NHL, and there have been a couple. There have, there have been a couple, nothing really of super significance outside of the biggest contract in the NHL, <laughs> uh, at least in terms of uh, AAV, because Austin Matthews signs a four-year extension at, what is it, 13.25? Uh, 13.25 mil, yes. For four years. Hit him with the four like Austin Matthews. Hit him with the four like Austin yeah. Matthews. I mean, it, that that it, just is poetic. Just like that's poetic that it was four years. Let's so, Kevin, in year five, can we talk about how this is already a failure? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but when but when will he go sign in Arizona, though? <laughs> that's interesting. Um, well, by that point, they you would hope that they you would think and hope that they would. Oh, have a, you would uh, think. You know, <laughs> okay, but we probably thought that six years ago when they got kicked out of Gila River that's, or whatever it was. That's true. That's true. Um, um, but four years, biggest contract in the NHL in terms of AAV, mm-hmm. uh, surpassing uh, Nathan McKinnon's 12.6. Uh, but he will hit the market again in four years. And with what we have heard about the cap and the fact that we expect the cap to be maybe as much as 10 or $15 million higher – Mm-hmm. four years from now um does it make sense for him to be kind of hedging his bets like this getting the opportunity to hit the market at age 30 and get another big contract with kind of that expanded cap and are we going to see more of this um i think well I'll, i'm kind of going to answer your second question first i think because Sure, for him, it makes tons of sense because he does position himself to have another big contract. I mean, does anybody have any reason to believe that this guy is going to slow down in the next four years as an individual, that no one's going to pay him like this? Right. Like, absolutely. He's he's definitely done 
you know, done himself a service in terms of preparing himself for another huge con. I mean, is and not even just to prepare himself for another huge contract, but you're setting yourself up for exactly that like seven to eight year length where it's like, yep. yeah, you know, the last three you, years might suck, but well, that's okay. Sure, right? Not they're not, they're not going to suck for him. It's not an it, like it's an interesting contract in the sense that f- that first of all. Like the, the the cap hit portion of this and everything like that, it depends on how you look at it. Because I like from like let's put it this way, you just brought up that the biggest contract prior to this was Nathan McKinnon's, and then obviously and McKinnon surpassed McDavid McDavid twelve point five and, and and so on right. Like everybody kind of has been surpassing themselves a little bit in a way. Like like Matthews sure. is even prior to this cap hit once it kicks it because it, it's not going to kick in for another year. Right, he does still have one more year left at his eleven point six three four number, which, in fairness, is the fourth highest contract in the league right yep. now. So it's so that's what I mean. I mean, and then beyond that, it's Eric Carlson, David. Well, Pop, when when you sign a guy to a a deal for the fourth highest value in the league, and then mm-hmm. he goes out and scores sixty, yeah, it, you got to pay him. Sure, and he is. By the way, he is a hundred and twenty one goals away from tying Matt Sundin for the all time Leafs record. That's crazy. Matt Sun. Okay, how many does Matt Sundin have? Don't look it up. And I believe this is as a Leaf too. Oh, as a Leaf. Oh, yes. Because that's actually an it's, important it's it's franchise a, record. That's yes. an important clarification since Matt Sundin also like maybe way lesser known to people who for don't Quebec. remember for yep. Quebec. Yeah, yep. just back prior when to, the Nordiques were a team. Just prior to the Colorado move yep. too. Like it was very close. Just, to that. He just um, missed that cup. As a Leaf, how many goals did Matt Sundin score? Well, I just told you that Austin Matthews is 121 ahead of or behind him. So if you know how many Austin Matthews has, that's that'll what I'm get trying you there. To, yes, that's what I'm trying to think <laughs> of because I know Austin Matthews. If you had, if you had, he had 60 in a year. Obviously, he Austin just had Math- Austin Matthews' first goal this season will be a major milestone for him. I'll I was also say, I think he's, I you. think he's, I think Matthews is at like 300 already. He is at 299. Yeah, so he's at 300 right now. So Matt Sun, I was going to say Matt, Matt Sundin, Sundin is at think, 420. Right. So I was going to say, I in my head, I knew. I'm like, Sundin did not score 500 with Toronto. But Austin Matthews, the owner of 160 goal season already. Yes. I was actually just going to look up his. goals away. Yeah, I was actually just going to look up too because like. Like there a is weird... a world where he scores 60 this year and 61 next well, this year. Is, that was exactly where I was it. going. Now it's much more likely that he breaks it in you know, around Christmas time of year number three. Sure, but still, he has set himself up to over the four-year span of this contract. Even you know if he misses his annual six to ten games because he does yeah. play a bit of a physical style um, and has had some hand and wrist injuries. Um, if he misses his typical six to ten, we are probably looking at that third year. But still, we're looking at this kid who, at twenty-six years old is poised to, over the next 36 months, become the all-time leading scorer for an original six franchise. I'm going to tell you what, looking at his his entire like just career statistics and everything like that too, it, it blows my mind how many times we're going to be able to say this about players that played over this time frame, how much the the half year of 21 and, and all that, how much that did to some numbers. It, it has done some insanity. Well, the only reason I'm bringing it up is because, okay, so for example, in twenty in the 1920 season, so obviously got cut off at the tail end. He had played every game of the of the season at that point, by the way, because 
70 was in the right range. Like everybody had played something like between 68 and 71 or something like that. Right. In the darkest timeline, Alexander Ovechkin gets hurt like six games before he would break the record. Oh, sure. In uh, just the darkest timeline. But what I'm getting at, <laughs> but what I'm getting at is that so for a team that had still at least 12 games to go in their season, roughly or around 12 or however you want to look at it, he already had 47 goals that year. He was getting to 55. Come on. I know. Yeah, absolutely. And then the, and then he, the might year, pu- he might have been pushing 60, honestly, because right. he is I'll, the hat trick kind of guy. Sure. Now, and well, and then in the next year, I'll, le- all right, I'll level. He only missed four games in a 56-game season. So 41 in that time frame is still ridiculous. But imagine if it ridiculous. was the full 80. But imagine if it was the full 82. He was scoring 60 that year. Uh, yeah. So it's, he – okay. <sighs> Alexander Ovechkin is the greatest – goal scorer in the league. Mm-hmm. Austin Matthews is the best goal scorer in the league. Well, I like I kind of right think, now, right now. Oh no, no, no. I, you're definitely you're there's an L, well you're right about that, but like here's the reason why I'm thinking that because as much as everybody's going to follow the Ovechkin timeline and how, you know, and the eventual point where he does become the greatest goal scorer of all time by number. Right. There's reason to look at the the pace, the projection that Matthews is on, he, he and can do think it. if the guy can play until forty, he'll do it. Okay, but like, we, I'm not wishing ill on the guy. I'm not. I like Austin Matthews. No, but you're worried about the injuries. Man, he's had, especially considering it's the like the wrist well, has been and affected. It's, and it's not. He oh, he had a freak ankle thing and a freak sure. elbow thing and a freak concussion and a this that the other. It's pretty consistently the hands, the wrists. Sure. The, the arms, the elbows, the like, that's the part that makes me nervous. And I, I sure. hope that he is, I assume he is doing all the right things and taking care of himself the best as we can. But like, we have seen, I don't want to say better, but we have seen incredible hockey players sure. whose bodies just quit on them. And, and it's sure. a shame, and, I mean, and it happens to the best of them. Sure. Now, he's, he's still young enough right now that it's probably not a huge factor. I mean, like... We got to be real about that. He's twenty. He'll be twenty six in September. Sure. So by the time the regular season starts, he'll be twenty six, and you can kind of start to, you know, go from there. But, but I'm kind of okay. So like, I want to get back on some another aspect of the contract for a second because, sure, for him it makes sense. And there's and listen, I know that there's people out there who look at the value of the contract and wonder, you know, is any player worth the like? Let's let's be real about something. Any of these players who go out, if you go and look at, you know, take what Connor McDavid did this past year, what David Pasternak did this past year, what Austin Matthews is capable of doing with like a 60 goal season, what Leon Dreisaitl is able to do, some, you know, even just the overall spectrum of what Nathan McKinnon can do or what Kale McCarr can do, like guys like even like that, they're all underpaid. Oh, yeah. In terms of the way that other athletes get paid, they're all underpaid. So did you hear the stat? So the contract that Austin Matthews signed. Four years, $53 million, 13.25 per year. Mm-hmm. It was the exact same contract in terms of length and years. Uh, nothing beyond that. Okay. Uh, uh, as Grant Williams. Do you know who Grant Williams is? I, I, he's an NBA player. He's an NBA role player who is the 113th highest paid right. player in the NBA. Sure. 
the NBA they're all underpaid. Well, the NBA is a star-driven league, and if the NHL acted like the same way, then yes, you would like it's it, it's no different in in most of these other sports. Why do you think every quarterback in the NFL goes out for the max deal that is you know whatever it turns out to be, you know, making forty forty five fifty million dollars a year? Why do you think that happens in Major League Baseball? Sure. Because there's no re- there's no there's kind of well, no capping it like that. And that's what I was about to say is that it's the game that NHL players play is cap percentage. What's the sure. percentage of your cap the day you signed it? Right. Everyone sure. talks about that. Sidney Crosby, 8.7, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Austin Matthews contract is I think it's 15.8 percent or something like that of the Leafs cap at this right. or at the day it, it's expected to kick in. Obviously, we don't okay. know exactly what the cap will be, but the sure. day it's expected, what it's expected to be, that is in line with the extension that Matthews or that um, McDavid signed. Sure, it's a little tiny bit more than McKinnon, but I mean McKinnon was coming off such a value contract, it was going to be hard for him to get sure. regardless. Um, it's in line. The problem is the cap has just been so stagnant for the last you know, three years for high world shutting down reasons well, that, uh, right. that it's hard for a player to argue that his fair share of the cap is 18 million or 19 million or whatever Austin Matthews should quote unquote should be paying. I know Don, Don decision did do an article about, you know, what Austin Matthews true value would be. Sure. Um, and I think it's, and I think it's totally fair to analyze players in that way. Like, you're not going to tell me that guys like like that guys like that, and and even even in sort of in yesteryear, like they're active players, but in the prime of their careers, that Ovechkin and Crosby didn't deserve the same type of thing. Like no, absolutely. When you're on that elevated level, like it, to, to tell you all you need to know about the value of NHL players, go back and look up how much money Wayne Gretzky made in his entire career. <laughs> and and uh, no, seriously, it's stupid. It's stupid. It's downright stupid that the greatest player in league history made that much money over his entire career and you know, like and that's and that's the way it always was and you look it, at contracts around the league today and you see everybody else going up 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 and it turns the NHL out, was stagnant it turns out the NHL players haven't won a labor d- disagreement <laughs> essentially in their history right um but now, anyway the, uh, so international hockey's coming back in 2025 a world cup of some variety i guess question mark yeah, maybe. Um, I was one more thing on the, one more thing on the uh, the Matthews thing for some because you were talking yeah. about like when you're talking about cap percentage. The other thing you have to factor in when you're talking about Matthews is what team he plays for. And I and I say that like I'm not saying that like just because it's Toronto, but it's look who else you're sharing the wealth with. You know what I mean? Like in in addition to the fact that you are going to start making thirteen point two five million dollars next year for the first season of that. John Tavares is making eleven million dollars, and Mitch Marner is making ten point nine million dollars. Yep. And and oh by the way, Morgan Riley is making seven point five mil. And there's another, you know, there's just another big name free agent that's going to be on the market next year who needs a contract, um, who also could be making that level of money. You know, just you know, William Nylander, anybody? I was going to say, there's Nylander and Marner's only got one year left. Well, Marner's got one year left, but so Marner will still be under contract. That's fair. for the for the first year. I'm saying you could be looking yeah. at a roster that has a, a that pitch. has a seven point five million dollar defenseman and three forwards or four forwards making ten plus potentially. I, I mean, don't like, think I don't think Nylander gets ten there. Now, th- now I, listen to what I said. Yeah, I don't think Nylander gets ten there. That's let's I think if it. he stays in Toronto, it's under ten. I think if he 
once ten he goes somewhere else. I like if he stays, I, if he stays in Toronto, he gets the Johnny Gaudreau contract. You're probably not wrong. The cap going up and will allow him to get close to ten, but maybe not ten. And yeah, that's and that's the price you're gonna have to pay. He'll get he'll he would get ten if he decided to go and be the big guy somewhere else, or he might be under ten if he has if he decides I wanna try this. But, but is the there funny a world is, is there a world where they convince John Tavares to fake an injury that last year and retire and oh, retire? I don't know, but I mean Tavares is that'd be th- mighty that'd be mighty convenient. He's, he's starting to get old. Like it's not he'll crazy. be thirty he'll be thirty three by the time the season starts, and then you factor in playing two more years, he'll be thirty five. So going into the twenty five. And, and the dude has some hard season. miles on him. He has taken some damage over the well, years. Well, specifically I'm sure you're thinking of the uh, <sighs> one in the playoffs a handful of years <sighs> back. You know, but not the obviously not this past year when he played heroics for Toronto in the first round. Right. But when Corey Perry took his friggin' head off. Oh, by yeah, accident, but still. Oh. No, but I hear you. But, like, the, the part that will crack me, because I, I don't know what's going to happen yet with Marner and Tavares with one year left, but it, it, will, it, will, it will truly crack me up if Matthews just signed this extension for the next four years, which kicks in literally next year. You've got to figure out what you're doing with Nylander beyond this year, and you have the other two. And Morgan Riley's making seven point five on a contract that lasts until oh, uh, just the end of twenty nine thirty. Yeah, you know. Can and you to be fair, he they... earned every penny of it. No, but can you imagine if they go forward with the concept, with the belief, especially when you listen to anybody who's in Toronto, the belief that you've got to break up this core four? Can you imagine if it moves forward for the next two, three, four years of it's going to still be the core four? I think that's why Kyle Dubas is in Pittsburgh. So, so you think that Trey Living is going to step in and do something about this? No, 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 no. I think. Oh, you think that Dubis, core four is there? I think you Dubis think Dubis, Dubis wasn't Pittsburgh. going to allow it. I think. I think Dubis. I, quite frankly, I think the Leafs are in a fairly similar situation to the Flyers under Chuck Fletcher, where it's not particularly <laughs> it feel more, more like it, doesn't it? Well, it's not particularly the GM doing the job. It is the president of hockey ops. It is the people above him. So making, Shanahan thing who's been there the whole time. Yeah. And well, and apparently rumors mill, etc., whispers, whispers, <laughs> apparently shortly after the season ended, they were all told that they were safe. What's that? Sh- Shanahan and no, 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 no. The core four. Oh, the core four. Yeah. That, they, I... that none of them were getting traded. That well, they weren't going anywhere. That blah, 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 blah. Well, in fair, in shortly fair... after Kyle Dubas, you know, that whole situation where, you know, Brendan Shanahan decided during a drive home to fire him. And <laughs> some of the strangest press conferences is, in history, that, by the way. Is that almost as good as showing up to uh, Bruce Cassidy's living room to tell him he's fired? It's it, it's probably better. Like, honestly, if you, or, did, if or, you think um, about the insanity of it. Or um, having Gerard Gallant take a taxi home from, like, the game after he's fired. Right. I mean, Brendan Shanahan essentially said... I told him I'd send him to a contract, but then I got stuck in traffic and I decided against it. <laughs> it's like okay. I don't know. Like it's go amazing. back and watch. Go back and I watch know. the it press. Like, it was a mess. Watch. Okay, so you have to watch uh, Shanahan's like end of season availability, and then Dubis's end of season availability, and then this press conference to like understand the whole sequence. Sure, but it was a wild forty-eight hours or whatever it was. <laughs> But I think that's the reason is 
that Kyle Dubas ended up leaving is because he was going to trade. Frankly, I think he was going to trade Mitch Marner. Possibly, and, yeah. Bef- before the contract uh, protection kicked in. And I think he had a deal, maybe not, you know, an official deal on the table, but I think he was talking to people. I think he had frameworks in shape. I think he he might have even gone to Brendan Shanahan and presented him with a deal. Like a potential, yeah. Right. And I think Brendan went, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean, trade Mitch? See ya. And yeah. here we are. So I, I think mean, th- they are riding that core four to the dirt no matter what, the, unless William Nylander decides to price himself out. The interesting part is, like, I can understand having pause when it comes to Marner because, look, Marner may be the best all-around player that they have at that point. So I understand the pause there. But at the same time, like, it's like you got to make a choice at some point. Like, it, it kind of is one of these things where th- these all can't coexist at one time for this long and expect to, to not like like uh, it becomes the, what's the definition of insanity doing the same thing I, over and over again and expecting a different result. Right. How, how long like, did it take the Flyers to figure it out? Sure. Exactly. So then that's like, it. That's it. Like, sure. So like it, and that's that's the how that's, long how long is Brendan Shanahan willing to bash his head against the wall? For that's this almost the element like I don't see the element of confusion, but it's like that's almost like this part of like the part of the equation, which is like so basically a guy gets fired from his job and has to go take a job in Pittsburgh instead. Poor because guy. Uh, Poor guy having, has to go get paid millions of dollars for, to GM for having Sidney the Crosby. gall to show up to the president of hockey operations oh, office and say, I think I'm going to trade a star. You know, I mean, like, and that's why the NHL. Go, winding it back to your original point, that's why the NHL is down here when all yeah. these other leagues are all the way up here. It really is. And, and it's... It wasn't... This isn't, this isn't anything against, you know, Brendan Shanahan personally. I'm sure he's a great guy. But the attitude... that a player, obviously. Oh, yeah. But that attitude about, well, no, we have to keep this together, and also you're fired for disagreeing. Like, look at what Brad Treliving just did in Calgary last year like he organized a big old trade and i know it didn't work out but you traded a star in matthew kachuk for a star and a half in in mackenzie weger and jonathan huberdeau bradshaw living made a great trade and i know it didn't work out for calgary that year but calgary had bigger problems than the fact that it was just the stuff from the trade exactly but i just mean i just mean we've seen big one-for-one superstar trades recently like, it's not out of the realm of possibility that you it's could find even, fair value for Mitch Marner. It's not even just that it doesn't even have to be one for one type trades anymore. Like, in, in, no, in, in general, it's let's just like this is a league where if Wayne Gretzky can get traded, anybody can get traded. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Man, it must be mid somewhere for pulling but all it these is, but old it cliches is. out the book. Hey, hey, listen, it's the it is the month of the when that trade went down. That did so, happen in August. One of the first things I. If you've listened to this show for a while, you know that I'm a I'm a Steve Dangle fan. One of the first things Dangle said was that little part in my brain. So the contract <laughs> is essentially all signing signing bonus. I'm sure. No kidding. Uh, I think he's getting paid like less than four million dollars of actual salary. Um, well, I wonder if there's a. I wonder if it'll actually tell me that if I go. It in should be on cap front. It should That's be on. I'm cap looking front. at. Yeah, I want to um, see this. And the little voice in the back of Dangle's head went, "That'll make him easier to trade." That's this is amazing. His so his total salary to get to the fifty three million dollars is so in the in twenty four twenty five Austin Matthews to, total salary will be sixteen point seven million dollars. The year after fifteen point two, 
then 11.08, and then the last year, 10.02. Yeah. Of that money, that's $53 million total. Of that, base salary is only $3.35 million yep. over four years. It is less than a million dollars every year. Almost and signing bonus million dollars in signing bonus. He is making, and I'm not kidding when I say this number, he is making in that first season of the contract extension $15.925 million in signing bonuses. Man, it just sounds like a number Dr. Evil is asking for. $15 million. Yeah, it's $1 trillion. Just, it's so much money. <laughs> just here's a check for $15 million. Go to the local PNC and give it to the teller. That's, that's Brendan Shanahan opening up the blank checkbook. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's his um, blank checkbook statement. Okay. Is there anything else that we had to get into this week? You did touch a briefly on the uh, possibility that international stuff could be happening again soon. That would be it would be nice. I yeah. would like that it would be the nice world, to the World Cup was fun. The, 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 the NHL needs the World Cup because you need to have a platform where you put the best of the best, both with and you need best against best. Absolutely. Right. And, and, and well, you and you need to create kind of create dream teams again a little bit yeah. too, like when, like when that, go look at the first ever World Cup rosters in '96. Go look at those rosters and yep. tell me how that's not destined to succeed. And right. they didn't do it for a little while, and I understand that. And but even when they did the, you know, whatever one it was, what was it, 2016, 16 or one? 17, something. I like think that, it yeah. was the, was the one. It that was, was phenomenal. It was great, and I. Okay, here's the thing, NHL Gary. When you bring this back, okay, Gary. Don't change the rules for Team North America. Don't. (laughs) Leave it as is. Leave it as is. I don't Mm -hmm. care if all the old Canadians and all the old Americans complained that the kids were beating them. I don't care. Keep the rules the same. The rule was the rule was it was twenty three and under on those rosters. I believe yep. is what and it I, was. I don't believe those players could play for their national roster. Like I don't think they like it was a seniority thing. I think no, if it, you were under twenty three, you had to be on Team North America. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well, no, and the Connor McDavid point, couldn't be on Team Canada. No, what's gonna be what's gonna be even more fascinating now is like th- think about this. It's not gonna happen next off season. I understand that, but all right, fine. Go within the next three years because the three year window is fair. It's, all right, so I think they said 2025. 26, right? It was twenty five twenty six season was when they were gonna. Try I think to right before the, the twenty right before that, yes, yeah, in the yeah, summer because yeah. it's usually in August. They try right. To do. Okay, so picture, if you will, that by this point, Connor McDavid and kind of and a world Austin, baseball classic. Well, Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews, for example, are both in the older camp on. Well, have team graduated Canada, from Team, team North America. Oh man, but you know, no, but you know who hasn't? Connor Bedard, Connor Bedard, and Adam Fantilli, and even even a handful of others like, um, like Mason McTavish will not have graduated from that group yet. You know what I mean? Oh. That is going to be fun. Like it, like, but th- that's what the people want. Give the people what they want—the ability to put some of the best players next to each other on, like, because because then you're getting a roster that looks like it does. Like McDavid's going to play with, you know, I'm trying to put put somebody else up there who's because he's not playing with Dry, so he's not playing with Matthews either. Matthews right. would be on the U.S. team, but but okay, fine. So Austin Matthews gets to play with Jack Eichel. Thanks. Kel McCarr will probably no, McCarr would play. Yeah, McCarr would, would be on Team USA, right? No, McCarr is Canadian. Oh, 
You are right. He, he went played to college. In, he but he's played Canadian. in college, but he's yep. Canadian. No, I'm. You're right. He'll be on regular Team Canada by then. So he. But that's what I'm saying. Okay. So. so oh so, man. So McDavid and McKinnon and McCarr can all play with each other. And oh, by the, oh, and oh, by the way, if Crosby's still playing. He gets to play. Yep. See where I'm going with this now? Yep. Like, this is going to be good. And, and and oh by the way, imagine how much better for well not even four because by this point. They haven't had one since the 2016 one, right? So Correct. you're almost 10 years down the line from that. Imagine how much better the European team's going to be. Oh, yeah. Way better. Like, dr- nobody was even thinking about Dreisaitl like that at that point. Now you're going, holy smokes. Look, you're going to put Dreisaitl and Pasternak next to each other on a t- Like, hello? Yep. Like, yeah. this is what people want. And then you're putting those two guys up against the U.S. team. And again, like, it's here's Austin Matthews. Here's, you know. Hell, you can still have. For all we know, you can still have Patrick Kane skating around out there, and that's and there's and there's no, but there's the old with the new. Like that's what I'm saying. Like it's Jonathan Taves. A, yeah, well, no, Taves would be Canada. That's fair. <laughs> we'll listen. We'll figure it out. We have dream matchups all over the place. Maybe we'll touch on this a little bit more on our next show. Maybe we'll see if anything uh, more solid comes out of it between now and then. Yeah, uh, we'll but, see. There are still a few uh, pending news stories where. Hoping to keep, hoping to get something on soon. Still um, no contract on Morgan Frost. Yeah, I know. I I hear you. We're yeah. waiting on that. I mean, look, you're getting to the point where eventually it's going to have to happen soon in time for training camp. So right, you, you would know. think. Although, although, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. I do remember. I think that when Provorov and Konechny had to sign their first contracts outside of the ELCs, it was a long grind. It like was. Oh, close yeah. Training camp. I think one of them actually happened during camp. I think Provorov was like after the first day. Something like that. But Something it took like a while. That, so, but... yeah, like it's not unheard of to go that far. So, right. But either way. But we are time, waiting. Yes. And by the time our next show rolls around, we will be two weeks closer. We'll be kind of knocking on the door of uh, training camp pretty soon there. We're getting much and much. We're getting much more and more closer to the two yep. week gaps disappearing and going back to weekly. We're very Absolutely. close. And I'm excited for that. So yeah. uh, until then, uh, we're going to get out of here. Check us out on the social media. We're at YWT Podcast pretty much everywhere. Kevin's at Kevin underscore Darso pretty much everywhere. Get us everywhere you get your podcasts, including sportstalkshowly.com. And uh, until then, two more weeks, and we'll see you.